It is Tuesday, January 24th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to our first Dynasty podcast of the offseason. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, of course, is Jared Smola. And joining us for the first time is the newest Draft Sharks analyst, C.H. Herms. Herms, welcome to the stream, buddy. Thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to be on and talk with you all about some Dynasty stuff. That's right. You might have noticed his name popping up on the website some in December and January. Got some articles in there. You can check them out now. That includes a series previewing NFL free agency. And of course, Herms, your arrival comes at the perfect time because it's prime dynasty time on the fantasy calendar. I know everybody out there who's married to dynasty is like, dude, it's always dynasty time. What are you talking about? This is prime dynasty time. But I mean, come on, we're through real playoff fantasy time we've drafted all those teams we're way ahead of the too early drafts even though they've gotten going you can find an article about that on the site but this is the part of the calendar where jared i think dynasty really takes primary focus and every year we have people say hey can you guys give us a little bit more dynasty we've heard it here it comes right we need something to do right i mean there's there's no more there's very few games to break down no but we got the combine coming up we got the draft coming up so it is definitely dynasty season i'm happy i'm happy for a change of gears here yes and you can of course always find our dynasty rankings on draftsharks.com that's never changed they've been a lo- around forever but we did give like a serious upgrade to the dynasty stuff just last year 2022 you can see if you're on stream right now we've got the dynasty rankings at quarterback pulled up i don't think we're giving away too much here by showing you that josh allen patrick mahomes jalen hurts are up high but more importantly you can see we've got not only projections for a year ahead which we'll be getting an update soon for 2023 but then three years ahead we've got five years ahead ten years ahead i mean that's getting a little bit i I don't want to say arrogant or cocky we're not saying we know exactly how many points josh allen's going to score for the next 10 years right jared we're saying like relative to everybody else this is how we expect things to go so it starts to let us you know not only set expectations for next year, but long-term expectations, which obviously matter a whole lot in this format. Exactly. It's all relative. and We wanted to give different windows of player value because different windows matter for different dynasty teams, right? If, if you're a win now team, you care more about the one-year projection, maybe the three-year projection. If you're in rebuilding mode, you care more about the five-year and maybe even the 10-year. So you can sort by all that stuff. It's all weighted into the final dynasty value there. And of course, all that stuff does import over to your draft war room when you're you know doing your startup draft or doing your, uh, you know, your rookie drafts in a few months here. And that, of course, is the biggest thing with draft war room. We would have people every year like, hey, can you guys do one of these for Dynasty? And we're like, I don't know. <laughs> How do you do that? Well, last year we figured it out. So it's up there. All that's going to get enhanced even further for 2023. We're going to be jumping right in today, though. We're going to focus a little bit, you know, a little bit more singularly. We're going to start going position by position. We're looking at trade options. We're talking buys. We're talking sells. And each of us is going to pick out one guy to buy, one guy to sell at each position. Today, quarterback only. And Hermsey, since it's your debut on the stream, I want to hear your first buy at quarterback. Well, you know, you said before we're getting into that part of the dynasty calendar where everything's super exciting. I think a lot of people refer to it as the non-point scoring season. So I figured it would be nice to start with a quarterback that is non-point scoring for now. (laughs) But um, if we look at DLF's ADP and we look at where Keep Trade Cut has a lot of these quarterbacks and stuff, just to get get a feel for the market, Green Bay Packers quarterback Jordan Love pops out as somebody that I think is pretty interesting. Now, his birthday 
is in November. So he like just turned 24 years old. He has the benefit of the fact that he sat behind Aaron Rodgers for a very, very long time, kind of hidden in the dark for him to develop, quote unquote, or I guess just kind of make, I guess, errors quietly (laughs) in practice (laughs) facilities and whatnot. Because his draft profile coming out, I mean, we remember this is a guy, you know, very big frame, very big arm talent, but there was a lot of risky decision making that kind of went into his profile. So, like, there's a benefit to him just being stashed away, tucked away. We don't really know. But the biggest thing he has going for him is the ambiguity around Aaron Rodgers himself. Now, it was pretty clear all of last offseason we talked about just like, oh, gosh, he's meeting with the GM again. He's meeting with ownership again. Is he going to be on the Packers? Is he going to leave? And then this whole year was just a big mess. And Rodgers, to his credit, you know, whether you like the guy or not, he's open about what he thinks. This is not a guy who shies away from sharing his opinions. And most recently on the Pat McAfee show, he was talking about, it's a long quote, but basically the short of it that people need to, you know, really key in on is, I still think I can play at a high level in the right situation. I can win the MVP again in the right situation. Right situation. Is that Green Bay or is that somewhere else? I'm not sure. His words, not mine. So that kind of opens it up to the possibility, like, yes, he has a lot of money that, you know, carries on his contract, but I'm looking at the New York Jets. Maybe they're a team that could, you know, be a logical destination for him. So even if Rodgers leaves you know like that really helps jordan love that makes him become a starter that you get at qb3 prices here like the dlf adp i think has him at qb33 he's already priced outside of like a starting quarterback in a super flex league but like the kind of negative thing going against jordan love i guess is everything about jordan love's draft profile that said he's kind of a big arm makes a lot of risky talent and if he's the one that ends up leaving, who's to say his situation gets much better? I mean, we look at teams like the Washington Commanders that could use a quarterback like him. How much do we like that situation? Maybe Las Vegas? I don't know. But either way, at his price, if he becomes a starter in Green Bay or someone else, it's pretty cheap right now. So I'm saying Jordan Love. And he has the draft capital. Right? He was a first-round pick. Like, How often do we see for first-round picks at quarterback not get a shot at some point? And like you said, Herms, I'm not sure if it's going to come in Green Bay or elsewhere. Um, Love is signed for one more year with the Packers. Then they have the fifth year option. They can pick up it. They, they've kind of bungled the situations. Like even if he ends up being the guy for them, like they're, they're not going to get the advantage of you know getting him cheaply because by the time he, he emerges, he's going to you know be more expensive. They're going to have to give him a new deal, but that's kind of besides the fact, but I'm with you. I think it's a almost no risk move. And I think there's a, it's, it's a virtual lock that he's going to get a shot to start somewhere at some point. I think realistically the Packers have to trade either Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love this offseason if they don't want to just waste this asset. Because if Aaron Rodgers does stick around, like you said, Jared, we've got one more year on Jordan Love's contract. They're going to have to decide that fifth-year option before this season starts. Now, it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. to I don't know the exact number, but likely that fifth-year option is going to be somewhere north of $10 million, probably north of $15 million. I don't know the exact number again, but that would be a big commitment for a guy who would spend his first four years not starting. So I'm guessing that if Aaron Rodgers sticks around, Jordan Love moves somewhere this year. And really, I care about an opportunity more than I care about a specific opportunity. Yeah. I think the only question is, what is the price at this point? Did we wait too long to try to buy Jordan Love? And it's probably going to depend on the specific you know, Jordan Love owner in your league. There are going to be some who are like, 
I've held, I've held on this long. I'm going to wait and see what happens. If I've got a starter right here, then he's going to be worth a whole lot more in a few months. There are going to be others who are like, Aaron Rodgers is coming back. I watched this happen last year. He's coming back. And even if he doesn't, Jordan Love has not looked that good so far. So mm-hmm. I'm ready to move on. So I, I think you can kind of get yourself in trouble by assuming one way or the other. So if you're interested, if you got a spot, go ahead and see what happens. And if you find one of those Love holders, then move on to a different option. And I think he was the type of prospect too, where like obviously a wide wide range of outcomes, but I think regardless, he's the type of quarterback that's going to be a better fantasy quarterback than a real life quarterback. Cause he is going to take those shots on field. He has the big arm and he can run a little bit. So yep. even if he sucks as an, as an NFL quarterback, he could be useful in fantasy for as long as he hangs on to a starting job. Yeah. You get a year of Deshaun Kaiser. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Jared, who's your first buy? Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm buying Trey Lance. He's quarterback 13 in the DLF January startup ADP. He's quarterback 14 on keep trade cut. I think that's three or four spots too low. Just the quarterback landscape in fantasy football right now is you either have an elite difference maker or you're totally playing catch up and struggling at the position. Matt, we're in that FFPC Superflex Dynasty League. My team is freaking loaded. But I have old, crusty Tom Brady and Matt Stafford as my two quarterbacks, and I can't win that league because I'm just I'm I'm too far behind a quarterback, especially in superflex. So I think in dynasty, you you want to be doing whatever you you can to acquire these high end guys. And you know, when I'm talking about high end guys, I'm talking about the guys who can put up points passing and with their legs. Lance has the potential to do that, and it's obviously at this point it's just potential. We've barely seen the guy, but. He's a big dude. He's 224 pounds. You know, he ran for 1,100 yards in his one full season at North Dakota State. We've seen him in three NFL games. He has 37 carries and 174 rushing yards in those three games. That's a full season pace of nearly 1,000 rushing yards. So you you just give me that, and he's a big-time fantasy asset. Obviously still a major unknown as a passer. Again, had just the one full season at FCS level in college, only the three starts in the NFL so far. But I, I look at I look at Brock Purdy as a positive for Trey Lance because it's like it, Brock Purdy is just another example of how awesome this Kyle Shanahan system is, and especially with these weapons he has. And I'm not taking everything away from Brock Purdy. He, he's played solid. He's done his job. He's distributed the ball, which is what you need to do in this Kyle Shanahan offense. So I think that's the big question people are going to have with Trey Lance, and that's why he's available, I, I think, at all in trades is that Maybe Brock Purdy is the guy, but I think the Niners would be doing themselves a major disservice if it's at least not an open competition in training camp. I mean, they spent the number three overall pick of the 2021 draft on Trey Lance. I still think if Kyle Shanahan wants this offense to hit its ceiling, like Trey Lance is the guy that's going to do that. So, you know, again, I think he's not going to come cheaply, but he's going to come much more cheaply than any of these other guys who are these elite difference-making quarterbacks in fantasy football. And again, I think Lance has the potential to eventually develop into that. Herms, where you at on Lance this offseason? He is a really interesting one, and it's something that's been really frustrating for me watching unfold on the Twitter timeline because like, at this point last year, we were going through almost the exact opposite situation with Trey Lance, where it's just like, he's untouchable. If you've got this guy, it's incredible. I mean, think of the upside, blah, blah, blah. And like... We've seen about the same number of games out of him then as we have now. So it's interesting how just the swinging of the pendulum to the complete opposite direction of he's insanely valuable because we haven't seen him do it yet, but boy, he can run to, oh, he's outrageously useless because we haven't seen him and like, oh, I guess he can run. It's like, 
Well, it's all still Trey Lance in theory. So the fact that there's this weird swing in, you know, people's minds and stuff, it's like, I, I view it as a positive as does, you know, Jared, it's the small sample size and his athletic profile makes him absolutely perfect, but nowhere definitive for sure. He's definitely, like, we can't say, oh, he's definitely going to be like top three for the rest of time. Or it's like, oh, he's a complete Brock Purdy made Trey Lance irrelevant. So it's like the fact that he's now in, he's seen both ends of the spectrum, just like, Take your stance, take your swing, and if you like the guy, absolutely go for it. It's going to depend a lot on price for me this offseason with Trey Lance because there's positive and there's negative here. Obviously, the positive is the talent, the rushing especially, which could make him a fantasy difference maker. The situation is pretty rough. If Brock Purdy is the starter, and we don't know that yet. I know that there are, you know, I know Michael Silver had the column the other day and there are other murmurs that, yeah, the 49ers are planning to keep starting Brock Purdy next year. At the very least, if Brock Purdy stays a starter, then we're talking about buying a quarterback who's opening next year, not starting. He's still young, 23, heading into next season. He still has two years left on his contract, plus a potential fifth year option. So, you know, you're still going to have to be patient with him. So you would have to buy him into a situation where you don't need him to start. Also, anybody who has Trey Lance already on a dynasty team spent all of this year figuring out how to play the season without Trey Lance as their starting quarterback. So they're probably in a better position to go without him if he's not starting this season than they might have otherwise been. And also, if they decide to keep starting Brock Purdy over Trey Lance, that's a knock on Trey Lance. It's not just a nod toward Brock, Brock Purdy. They gave up a lot to get Trey Lance. They gave up nothing to get Brock Purdy. We've seen less than a half a season from Purdy. So if Kyle Shanahan truly is leaning strongly toward playing Brock Purdy over him, then we could be looking at two lost years for Brock Purdy on our bench because the Niners really would have no particular incentive to trade Trey Lance this offseason unless they got yeah. blown away by a trade offer. So where I'm at, is I'm probably not hunting for Trey Lance in my league, but if the person who has him in my league puts him up on the block, I'm like, oh, all right, let's go see what Trey Lance is going for. Yeah. yeah, one last point I wanted to make is the fact that Lance was the third overall pick of the NFL draft, that gives him a safety net. Like we see these guys who are high picks, they get multiple chances. If you're a second round pick at quarterback and you struggle for five games, you might be a career backup. The guys who get top three, top five draft capital, they get chance after chance after chance. So even if it doesn't come in San Francisco, but you, you want it to come in San Francisco, you want him in that Shanahan offense with these weapons. But even if it doesn't, Lance is going to get a full season, probably two full seasons to, you know, maybe he proves to be a bust, but you're at least going to get to see him. And again, he's the type where even if he sucks in real life, he's probably going to have you know, some value in fantasy because of that rushing ability. That Superflex Dynasty League on FFPC that Jared referenced earlier, I did win this year. Um, and it was in spite of having this quarterback that I'm going to talk about. I do have Patrick Mahomes. I was able to get Tra Trevor Lawrence from somebody else. So I'm pretty well set up at quarterback. If I didn't already have Derek Carr on that roster, I would buy him as well, as, especially in a Superflex format. So here's the bottom line on Derek Carr. Is he special? Absolutely not. Does he suck? No. Does he suck sometimes? Sure. Overall, <laughs> compared to the rest of the starting quarterbacks in the league and, you know, the options to start, he's just not a terrible quarterback. He finished top 12 in fantasy in seven of his 15 games this year, finished quarterback 20 in points per game among multi-game starters. So certainly not making a difference for you 
and a fantasy scoring level, 15th in top 12 level weeks in 2021, QB12 in total points. So, you know, again, he's never been special. 2020 was QB18 in points per game, QB13 in total points. So, you know, just that like Jared Goff level of production, that's not it's not really pushing you up, but it's not taking you down either. From a real life NFL standpoint, pro football focus passing grades, he has been 12th or better in five of his nine pro seasons. This past year was his worst since his rookie year where he finished 25th in passing grade. But before that, three straight, uh, 12, ninth and ninth. Um, he's finished ninth or better four times. So just overall, he's been an above average passer for his career turns 32 in March. So there's still plenty of time left. Like we could get five more years of Derek Carr starting. If we gets to a team that likes him and just lets him stay there. I would argue he's at least better than Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, Marcus Mariota, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, all of whom got another starting opportunity beyond their initial team. So Derek Carr is going to start somewhere next year. I think that makes this the perfect time to pounce on the uncertainty and just buy him like he's starting somewhere in 2023 without worrying too much about where it is. Even if like you look at the jets and you might think that's not a great situation, but a quarterback who's solid could land there and suddenly have Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, the running backs. There's a good bit of talent to take advantage of. If you're just a decent quarterback in that offense. I think, I think New York's one of the the better situations for a quarterback to land. I like the weapons. I like Michael Fleur's offense. He comes from that Shanahan tree. We're talking about with, Kyle Shanahan. So I, I think that'd be a good scenario for Derek Carr. He's a guy I'm not running out to buy. And just because, again, I don't think he has that difference make a, m- making potential. But you look at like the DLF startup ADP and like, why is why is Derek Carr like 10 quarterback spots behind Kirk Cousins? They're they're the same guy to me, pretty much. Um, Carr's even a few years younger. So he's a guy in a specific situation. If I'm like a win now team that needs help at quarterback that's where i'd go out and buy Derek Carr because i do think he's going to be serviceable for another you know three four nfl seasons and he could be even be a throw-in like let's say you have kirk cousins he's probably valued higher by somebody else so if you're building this overall package you give kirk cousins you get Derek Carr back i think you're not really losing a whole lot at quarterback maybe upgrade somewhere else herms where are you at on Derek Carr? i feel very similarly i mean this is somebody that we've talked about for a really long time where you know it wasn't always in the points per game category necessarily, but at least as far as total finish goes, he finished within the top 15 for most of his career that he's been pretty good. And this past season is the time we were all very excited. It's like, okay, this is the best group of weapons he's had around him since Michael Crabtree and Amari Cooper. But unfortunately it came with Josh McDaniels being in charge of calling the plays and ruining everything. So that definitely didn't help. But at the same time, like we can't ignore this past of him essentially just being like the dark haired Kirk cousins. Like we already know who he is. Yes. It was an unfortunate blip on the radar, but this is somebody that we know can be reliable as our second quarterback in this format. He's not super ancient and like everything, everybody said I'm in lockstep. It's a name that I was going to mention if it hadn't have been brought up. I mean, we probably have to get some videos of him dancing shirtless with gold chains before we call him Kirk cousins. Don't we? Just so <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All right, let's switch it over to the sell side. Obviously, it's easy to buy, guys. We got to sell some things off. By the way, Jared, I do have Derek Carr in that league if you're looking to help out your <laughs> situation. And, you know, the rise of Superflex makes guys like Derek Carr, yes. Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff a lot more interesting than they used to be. So back to the sell. Uh, Herms, who's your first guy here, quarterback? 
Oh boy. Okay. So major caveat here. Uh, this is not the most optimal time to be selling this quarterback. If you were really looking on that max return on investment, you've already missed that boat, but I fear that things are really only going to get worse for Kyler Murray of the Arizona Cardinals. Now, I mean, a lot of the stuff he has going for him is pretty evident. He's young. I think he'll be entering his age 26 season this year. He has a track record up, you know, entering this season. He'd finished within the top 10. He has a penchant for rushing. He's pretty good at doing all that stuff. And the biggest thing is, you know, the PFF grading on deep throws has been over like 90 plus each of his first three seasons. Like this dude can drop a dime. I mean, he's basically just like an electric scooter with a rocket launcher for an arm. I mean, that's his whole thing. And I don't mean that in any sort of negative way, but like, you know, he zips around, he does the thing and then boom, you know, what? Ooh, it's I incredible. Know, are, are electric scooters fast enough to be the, the Kyler Murray of transportation? Hmm. I, I guess we'll have, to, we'll have to workshop that comparison, but we got plenty of time because he's going to be on the mend. Ha ha transition. There it is with the ACL tear that he had pretty late in the season. Um, by all reporting, it was a clean ACL tear, quote unquote. So for you listeners and viewers, uh, no other damage to other ligaments or anything with his knee. Cause I know like, depending on what happens, it's like, well, was it just the ACL or was there some meniscus or, you know, one of the other, you know, ligaments, just the ACL from everything that I read anyway. So that's definitely good. But what really concerns me is that there was a sharp decline in his effectiveness of deep throws in 2022 that, thing that i just said he did really well for his first three years he had a 48 and a half pff grade of throws over 20 yards in the air this past year and his points per game even when he was healthy puts him at qb9 from this past season so over the course of his career he's finished qb8 qb3 qb10 i think those are overall but now just in the aggregate say qb9 in terms of you know the points per game that kind of just puts him at low end qb1 range and now the whole organization is completely unstable like who's the head coach going to be who is the general manager going to be and the effective cap space that the cardinals have i looked it up it's barely over six million dollars in 2023 and then after this coming season in 2024 is when his huge contract extension kicks in and he takes up so much of their financial resources to the point where i think about and worry about is this just who Kyler Murray is? There's nothing wrong with him being like a really solid kind of lower end QB one, just because he can run. He's pretty fast. If it's a clean ACL tear, I'm sure he'll recover pretty well eventually, but I, he's never thrown for like over 30 touchdowns. He's never really, you know, done anything, you know, otherworldly in terms of those fantasy point, you know, type things, except for that one year finishing QB three, but we have a larger sample size of him being lower than that. So like, I just fear, how are they going to continue to build around him? Deandre Hopkins is going to have to leave eventually. That'll free up some money, but you look at the weapons around him and you look at the fact that he's going to be injured for next year. He's not really going to help you early next year. I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. So if you want to get out before it completely tanks, you could swing back and buy him again later when everything craters. I don't like, I'm not saying that he's just worthless now, but I think we have to be open to the possibility that this is just who Kyler Murray is. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm with you here. Um, he's a tricky one. I like what you said, how it's going to get worse before it gets better. I think that's 
probably right. Um, I, I can tell you right now, I'm going to be totally off him next year. I don't think he's going to be ready for the start of the season. He's probably a candidate for the pup list, which would cost him six games. And even when he returns, you're not going to get Kyler Murray, top five fantasy quarterback. He's not going to have that rushing ability. And then, like you said, the situation around him is iffy. Now, the departure of Cliff Kingsbury could very well end up being, you know, addition by subtraction. That might end up being good news long-term. We'll see who they end up hiring. But, yeah, I, I think Hopkins is gone this offseason from everything I've read. Zach Ertz, is, his career is probably over. So then you're left with, like, Marquise Brown, Ronda Moore, can't stay healthy behind a, a crappy old line. So there's a lot of questions to be answered. Now, that stuff changes in Dynasty long-term. You want to be betting on talent and not worried about situation too much. But, again, like, you, like we've said, I mean, you have a quarterback who I don't think is going to be very helpful in 2023 and that alone kind of makes him a tricky guy to hang on to. So I like the idea of selling him now and then maybe buying him a year from now. Well, too bad for you guys. Cause if you sell him to me this off season, you're not going to be able to buy him back later. I'm just going to be <laughs> laughing at you Press. when the stock goes back up. Now to me, the biggest issue for Kyler Murray left when the team fired Cliff Kingsbury, he arrived supposed to be this offensive Messiah, the team finished 13th in offensive DVOA, according to football outsiders in Kingsbury's first season. So cool. sounds like they're on the upward trajectory. Then 19th, 15th, 30th this past year. And you might say, yeah, of course they did that. The year where Kyler Murray tore his ACL, even before Kyler Murray went down, that offense was 29th in DVOA. Cliff Kingsbury sucks. He never should have been hired as a head coach. He was definitely holding this offense back. Kyler Murray, in spite of playing for a head coach who I think was a detriment to the offense, still did the things production-wise that you guys mentioned, can run. I know he tore his ACL, but based on research I did last offseason on quarterbacks who have torn ACLs, it's really, it could go either way. The guy, there really has been no effect in the next season on production. Some guys go down, some guys go up. It's certainly a bigger issue for Kyler Murray because he's more of a runner than a lot of guys, and even when he's throwing, relies on that mobility. But again, we're talking dynasty here, so I'm not going to overweight this coming season. On the other hand, I'm going to use the likelihood that other folks are overweighting that immediate concern and go ahead and buy a guy who hasn't even turned 26 yet. I'll turn 26 right before the start of next season. I think, you know, ultimately it's quite possible he's just this low end QB one. If that's what I'm stuck with, if that's like, I don't want to say worst case, but I mean, realistically, that's the floor we're probably working with here. He's like QB 10 to 12 going forward. That's not an awful loss if I'm taking that. If we do get a guy who does improve, you know, does make out on the coaching front going forward, and if they just figure out the surrounding talent, help him a little bit at wide receiver, like even if DeAndre Hopkins leaves, they still have Marquise Brown. They still have Rondale Moore. Maybe we get a coach that figures out how to actually use Rondale Moore. And I mean, who knows what else they do at wide receiver going forward. So if we get some talent, if we get a healthy Kyler Murray, if we get a coach who's able to develop them, I think that the upside remains to at least reach the top six. Yeah, quarterback 12 in uh, DLF January startup ADP. Now he's quarterback nine on keep trade cut. I think that's about where he belongs. So if you can get him for you know quarterback 12-ish price, then I think he's he's a good buy for the long term. And I think even buying at QB nine is okay. Like, you know, it depends on who you're buying from there. Again, there are going to be some who are like, nah, crap, I'm worried about Kyler Murray. So uh, I think I can include him in something. There are going to be others who are like, I'll just wait and see still Kyler Murray. All right, Jared, who are you selling? I'm selling Dak Prescott and you may maybe give this one a few weeks after he, you know, just laid another egg in that loss to uh, the Niners in the spotlight this past weekend. But you know, that, that that game wasn't a one-off. That kind of was what Dak was this season. 
7.3 yards per attempt for him this past season, his lowest since 2017. His career worst touchdown rate, 3.8%, or sorry, career worst interception rate, 3.8%. That was dead last among 33 qualifying quarterbacks this past year. And Dak had always been a low turnover guy. So that was strange to see. He posted his second worst PFF passing grade of his career, ranked 21st among 33 qualifiers. Now, he turns 30 in July, so I don't think this is like the beginning of the end for Dak. I still think he's going to be a capable NFL quarterback for the next, you know, three, four, five years. I just don't know what the upside is, though, even if he is a capable NFL quarterback. Like to me, Dak does not reach that difference making potential, especially because his rushing has not returned since that ankle fracture that he suffered in 2010 um, or sorry, 2020. Last two years, just 12 rushing yards and less than a tenth of t- tenth of a rushing touchdown per game that's down from 19 rushing yards and about a third of a touchdown per game over his first few seasons before that ankle injury so now the rushing did rebound a little bit this past season but I don't think you're ever going to get back to like you know 400 500 rushing yard Dak Prescott so again to me he's he's just like a low-end quarterback one I don't see that big of a gap between Dak and the Kirk Cousins and even the Derek Carrs at this point like I think they should be priced similarly, and I think you could you could flip you know Dak Prescott for Derek Carr and get a pretty nice piece in return. I think, and that's definitely a move I'd be looking to make right now. I feel like a Dak for Derek Carr plus is a little too much, and if that's the case, I'd be happy being the buyer on Dak. I agree that he's somebody I'd be willing to move. He's not somebody I'm actively trying to sell. Like the the issues for this year were you know he had the early season thumb injury lost to Mari Cooper Michael Gallup was limited coming back so there were some limitations there I don't, I don't think he stinks I do think that you're right in that we could just be looking at a low-end QB1 what about you Herms if they're able to find out creative ways to restructure things with Ezekiel Elliott to free up some money to kind of add to you know certain things around him I think that would be super helpful i mean i think that's really the area that i'm particularly focused on because like jared said like the thing that made him the quarterback that i have the most shares of across my dynasty leagues was the fact that he could throw a lot and he just had that really you know nifty rushing floor that's just i i don't know if we're ever going to get back to that guy but the way that they can get around that is by like they can add more to what was going on. Like the reason they had to get rid of Amari Cooper and do all of these different things is because of where they yeah. were stuck financially. If they can skirt their way out of it and then figure out some new things, bring back Dalton Schultz, I would feel a lot more confident about some stuff like that. I mean, I'm kind of stuck in the middle on this one. Cause like I said, like, I like Dak. I mean, like he's kind of <laughs> just like a, you know, he's a fancy Kirk cousins type, you know, he's the Kirk cousins with a monocle, you know, it's, there's still a difference. It's still fancy. They're not the same. But I, I could go either way on this one. Well, they're gonna they're gonna have to pay CD Lamb here too. I would I would guess that's right. Work, right. Oh yeah. So like when Dak had his big seasons, he was running, and he had the loaded group of pass catchers. It was Cooper, and it was it was Lamb, and it was shot like it was it was loaded. It was Zeke in his prime. I don't think Dallas gets back there anytime soon because of the cap situation. Yeah, I don't think that we should expect the rushing touchdowns of early in Dak's career to return. The rushing yardage per game was right about, it was not quite to the level that he had early, but a decent level where he's at 15 yards per game. Uh, Toronto Dave watching on YouTube, by the way, says that relative to the market, he's a bit lower on Kyler like you guys are, a little higher on Dak. For me, Dak is somebody that I'm willing to move this offseason, but if I have him as my quarterback, I'm not worried going forward, I guess would be my position. I'm not worried either, but again, I just, he, he's quarterback nine mm-hmm. and, and uh, DLF he's quarterback 10 and keep trade cut. That feels like his upside to me as far as like, you know, 
his points per game finishes go for the next few years. And then like, he's not a guy you're considering a long-term asset. Cause again, he's 30. Like, I'm not saying he's going to Peter up, but he's not a guy you're going to have for another 10 years. So I just, I don't see the reason to really, to really not be at least seeing what you can get for him. If you can get, you know, quarterback 10 level return. I'll say that if you are looking to sell Dak, I'd probably wait until we're a little bit further beyond the yes. disappointment in the in the playoffs. I mean, you know, if you sold him a week ago after the Tampa Bay game, awesome. But after the San Francisco game, I think you might want to wait a little bit, maybe see that they pick up a wide receiver or something. Something that makes it look a little rosier than it does right now in Dallas. For sure. I'm going to cheat a little bit at the start of my QB cell. We're naming just one guy. I want to throw out Tua Tagovailoa though. And it's, it's kind of a, a half because I think right now you might not be able to sell him because of the concussion stuff that, you know, was not only a big story this season, but ended this season. He spent the, the, the end of the season inactive because of that third concussion. So it's quite possible that nobody's buying him. That said, if somebody is buying him, I think he's worth selling long-term. He had the multiple concussions. He was a small guy with durability questions coming in. And really, I don't think this season was as good fantasy-wise as it looks by the numbers. He had one-sixth of his fantasy production in that week two game against Baltimore. He had four games of 26-plus fantasy points among the 11 games that he did not leave early. And, you know, all of that was with Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill. Reached 20 points one other time. So, I just think he's an average fantasy quarterback along the lines of the other guys we've talked about here. And once he does get healthy from this, maybe you get somebody that thinks he's more like a top eight fantasy QB, which I don't think is in his outlook. But since I don't think you're going to find a robust market for Tua right now, Kenny Pickett is my primary sell. And the thing for me is I just don't believe in him. I don't think he's going to become anything special. I didn't heading into the draft last year. I didn't see anything that changed my mind. I think the hopeful outlook for Kenny Pickett is that it becomes Alex Smith, honestly. And that's kind of tough to gauge what that means right now because we've had so many different versions of Alex Smith. But in Kansas City, he was a solid starter. He didn't turn the ball over a ton, which Kenny Pickett probably is going to do. He ran probably more than people realized, so added some value there. But he just didn't have the passing ceiling to get you there. And I, I think that might be a little bit higher ceiling than Andy Dalton, which was the first guy who came to mind. But I think Kenny Pickett's more of a runner than Andy Dalton. But I just think that's the range that we're looking at. So I think getting out now, when there's still room to get excited about Kenny Pickett because he was a first round pick last year, because he's got George Pickens, he's got Deontay Johnson, he's got Najee Harris. Like, I, I don't see any reason to cling to him. I would rather go ahead and get out now and sell him for something of good value. Herms, you're a Steelers fan. What do you think? Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm, <laughs> it, I'm, I'm trying really hard to divorce my feelings from all that. Now, I mean, objectively speaking, like, yes, I am a Steelers fan. I share a birthday with Kenny Pickett. I love the guy. I'm rooting for him in real life. I mean, like, that's going to be fantastic. But in all reality, I mean, like, yeah, that is the type of quarterback that he is. I mean, any sort of conversation that I get into with people about him. I mean, I'm advocating way more for Kenny Pickett, the real life quarterback than I am for Kenny Pickett, the, the fantasy asset, because even if everything clicks, he's not the type of quarterback that's ever going to be, you know, game breaking by any means. Like, yeah, he can run a little bit, but he doesn't possess the Konami code. You know, he's one of those players, perhaps and all that, not all that dissimilar from Dak Prescott, where it's like, when you build up the talent around him, Yes, that will be a really good situation for him, but he is not, he himself is not the water that rises all the boats, if that makes any sense. You know, like that's just not 
what he's going to be. I think toward the end of the year, he showed a lot more discipline in not making dumb mistakes, which was really great because those early interceptions, oh boy, I got clowned pretty hard for that. So that was fun. You know, really, really enjoyed that conversation with people. But the improvements he made just make me feel better about real life. For fantasy, he's, I don't know, maybe he'll have like maybe one year, two years of just like he sneaks into perhaps the bottom of the top 10 and it's like, ha check it out. Kenny Pickett's good. Ha You know, but like, that's not really, it's not that tremendous for what we're talking about. So like, yeah, if there are people like me who are outrageously rosy on Kenny Pickett, then like, yeah, find the Herms in your league and sell them Kenny Pickett. I guarantee you it'll work. He turned, he turned. He turns 25 in, in June. He He's older than Jalen Hurts. He's a year older than Trevor Lawrence, a year older than Justin Fields. And I know we joke about the age stuff in Dynasty and it definitely matters less at quarterback. But it speaks to the point that at least I, you know, I thought the guy he came into the league as is kind of who he is. Like I don't think there's much room for growth from Kenny Pickett. He was a, he was a five-year college player, right? Um, started a bunch of games. One of which was good production-wise. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So I just, I don't think there's much beyond what we saw from him this past year. And I do think he's surrounded by a pretty good group of pass catchers and he does have some rushing ability. Um, so I think he could give you a handful of low end quarterback one seasons, but I, I don't think there's upside beyond that. I don't think he's got a handful of low end QB one seasons in him, to be honest. And you might think, yeah, great. You're selling Kenny Pickett. Who's buying him? So looking at keep trade cut. And just in case anybody's listening, not familiar with keep trade cut, this is a crowdsourced set of dynasty rankings. Basically you go on the site, it, it makes you answer questions about how you'd rank players and then puts that together in these rankings. So it's based on what people would say about players involved. So Kenny Pickett sitting QB 15 on there ahead of Jared Goff, Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, Geno Smith, Mac Jones, Derek Carr. Like all of those guys, I think are at least proven versions of Kenny Pickett. I would gladly trade Kenny Pickett for all those guys plus something like I would give Kenny Pickett for Mac Jones plus something today. If anybody out there is interested, the only problem is I didn't draft Kenny Pickett anywhere. So I don't have that option. Yeah, I would rather have Mac Jones straight up to over Kenny Pickett. I did, I mean, Pickett beats him in rushing. I think that's what's going for him there. But, I mean, they're, they're at least equal in value. And if I could get something on top, which, you know, these rankings suggest, the ADP suggests you could, I would, I would make that move. So, anybody, anything else on Kenny Pickett? I hope he does well next year. I love you, Kenny, if you're watching. <laughs> yeah. Hi. If you're watching, we're also rooting for you. Nothing against you as a person. I hope you fare well in the NFL. I just don't think you're helping my dynasty team. So that's going to do it for this QB Trades podcast. We will be back on Thursday with the running backs, then the wide receivers and the tight ends next week. And head to DraftSharks.com now. You can find our dynasty rankings. You can find some dynasty content up there. You just might find a new buy-sell hold report up there pretty soon. And you can, of course, find other early off-season content, including something I posted yesterday, getting ready for 2023 best ball drafting. So, you know, we're all moving forward. We just watched the end of the divisional round, but we're looking ahead to 2023. It's going to be projections time before we know it. For my boys, Herms, Jared Smola, the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.